Hey everyone, I'm Joe. And I'm Jamil. And we're Brothers Who Teach. Welcome everyone to episode 36 of Brothers Who Teach. Jamil, we've got a new episode today, but before we get to that, how uh, how was your week? My week was good. It's to the point where I know exactly what's happening until the end of the school year. I've got it all planned out. Doesn't mean it's not stressful or busy, but it's nice to know that it's all ready to go and I can see the finish line. Nice. What about you? Um, I, I got my first tennis match coming up this next Tuesday. And we'll see how it goes. We'll it's, see. Uh, yeah. It's, it's a developing year, but yeah, that's uh, a nice way to put it. Um I think I think the the groundwork is there for maybe maybe a year or two in the future to really be a competitive tennis team, but I'm I'm looking forward to it. Nice. So Jamil, you want to introduce our guest this week? Like I said, we're trying something a little bit different this this time. I'm super excited. We've had a lot of different guests on Brothers Who Teach, but they've all been adults with careers or fellow teachers, stuff like that. And I thought, well, we should also get the student's perspective at some time. So this is the first time we're interviewing a student. He's not in high school anymore. He just graduated, but he's from Christ School. His name's Ty Bessis. And he started at Christ School as a freshman when I started in my first year. And I can't describe how lucky I was to have received him in my advisory because he's uh, one of the best students to ever come through Christ School, let alone during my time. And he is not in college right now, even though he graduated last year, but that's only because he is a recipient recipient of the Moorhead Kane Scholarship from United, University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. And that allows him to basically travel the world right now, which he's currently doing. What's up, Ty? <laughs> Tell us where you are and what in the world you've been up to during this year out. How's it going? Um, right now, I'm currently in the Gold Coast of Australia. I'm uh, having a great time. It's my first day here, actually. I just came from Bangkok. Um, this year has been incredible. Um, I've been traveling for four months in Europe. I came home. I did a course in Mexico where I would see kayaking for 23 days with no connection to the outside world. Um, I went to Africa for 20 or so days built some houses, um, went to Bali, Thailand, Vietnam as well. It's been, it's been a great experience. I'm having a great time. So it, it sounds like his last two months have been like a bigger flex than what Jamil and I have done <laughs> in like the last three years. <laughs> yeah. I try not to do too much, but yeah, humbly, yes, I've done a lot. I mean, I don't even know where to begin, but my first question is like, it seems very almost untethered because you're like just bo- jumping around and you even told me you had to take an impulse trip to Australia. So what parts of that are like the scholarship is requiring you to go places versus you really have free reign, do whatever you want. So with the scholarship, what they basically give you is free reign to plan the entire trip. And so for me, the first four months was all planned out. I planned every single day and all the dates of where I was going to be, what I was going to do, all that kind of stuff. So for four months, I had it all planned out in Europe. And the second half of the year was all just whatever I wanted to do. Me and my friend, Charles McCain, the guy who I'm traveling with, we decided that we were going to go to Bali for a while. 
Um, we kind of messed up our visa issue because there's only, you can only get two visas. There's no double entries. It's only 30 days and his family was here. Okay. Um, and eventually we got to, we got to Bali for a week, went to Vietnam, Thailand. Um, and we were like, all right, we met some people that are cool. And they're like, all right, come stay with us in Australia. We decided to stay in Australia. So, I mean, it's like, there's lots of free reign here. Yeah. Um, I do monthly reports to let them know how I'm doing and what's been going on and that sort of thing. But pretty much everything I do is all just up to me and him and what our decisions make of that. I don't remember you talking about traveling much when you were at Christ school. Was that intimidating at all? You seem to have embraced it really well. What's it been like to go to so many international places after not doing much of that before? Very much so. It was, I mean, it was intimidating. Uh, I had never been out of the country before this year um, or for my gap year. So, I mean, it was just like, it was a huge step for me, a huge step for my parents. And I mean, I've had a great time doing it. There's absolutely no complaints on my part yeah. on what I've been doing this year. Um, but I thought that traveling for me has just been, it's been the greatest experience I've ever had. You know, you get a lot out of it, more than you'd think, really. Um, being able to just go talk to people of different cultures, different religions, different backgrounds, um, and all of it coming together has just been, it's been incredible. It's an amazing experience. I've got one more question on the traveling, then we'll talk to, we'll get to, back to actually school and being a student. But when you've done your traveling, like how do you, one, how do you pick your places? And then you've talked about, you know, running into different people and having different conversations. How are you running into them? Like, how, how are you establishing those connections when you're just traveling to these random places? Right. Yeah. So for picking the places, it's kind of in Europe, it was just like the capitals of each big city. Like you go to the places that most people want to see, you know, you go to mm -hmm. London, Paris, Prague, you go to Amsterdam, whatever. Um, and that sort of thing. And so we picked all those places in that way. Um, and the second half of the year, we picked it more of, I'm not community based, like service wise, but in a way that we felt like we could give back and experience a different culture. Southeast Asia has been really great. We were just in Thailand for the Thai New Year. So, I mean, like you see these different things and you yep. go to places for kinds of things. What was the second question again? No, just, well, you were kind of answering it. Just like I picture if I go to some country, I'm not necessarily thinking about, oh, I'm going to go talk to a bunch of people, but you seem to have put yourself in those situations. Oh yeah. A lot of it is because of the hostels. It will stay in okay. hostels. And I mean, you get people from all over the globe there and y'all go out, talk to a bunch of local people and you just, you just get to know everybody. You know, it's, I mean, it's a great experience. Everyone's really friendly as well. Like you could walk up to somebody at a random restaurant Hey, uh, where are you from? Blah, 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 whatever. My name's Ty. I'm from America. They're like, oh my gosh, let me ask you about this or that. Like they want to hear yeah. your perspective, you know, because there's a different part of the world. So everybody's really just open and kind and really receptive to what you have to say. So I think that being able to talk to people isn't a thing that I've found hard to do. It's more just, it's natural. It's just natural human conversation at this point. Cool. Joe, do you want to ask anything about what Ty's been up to? Well, I, I am kind of curious. This seems like a very, very prestigious uh, scholarship. How how many how many recipients win this every year, or if it's a one year thing, are there uh, any notable people who have won this scholarship in the past? So our class is of seventy five, and so seventy five every year. Um, one of the more notable ones is Roy Cooper. He was a Morehead Kane Scholar. 
Um, he's the governor of North Carolina. Yeah. So there's there's a few uh, really prestigious people who've done it, and also just people who are really interesting individuals. You know, I mean, there's not like one person who I could pick out out of everybody, but it is it is a pretty prestigious scholarship that I've been awarded. Yeah, I can't imagine the other, like, I know what caliber you are, so I can't imagine, like, how cool it would be to be in that kind of cohort. How much have you interacted with them? Um, so during the first weekend when I received the scholarship, they had a discovery weekend, uh, which is where all of you and every recipient of your class goes and meets each other. You have a whole week together. Uh, we were there when Carolina beat Duke, actually, um, <laughs> last year. So I was, I was having a great time. It was on the UNC campus. Right. So you rush Franklin Street with everybody, um, and that's a really cool experience. But you get to meet everybody through the class, like through the classes that are at UNC, um, and any Moorhead Kane recipient in the past, if you want to as well. So there's the connections are, I mean, it's fulfilling as well because you get to see people who have done a lot of different things um, in different fields of work as well. So you can kind of reach out to anybody who's received it. Do you, Do you feel like you're more ready for college now, or do you almost feel, man, I really don't want to go back to school right now. It's kind of both. And I mean, <laughs> there's a part of me that wishes I could travel forever. I mean, this is, it's amazing. Like yeah. there's no other way to put it. It's just, it's an incredible experience, but I am very excited for college. Um, I think the year off really helps because you want to go and like be engaged with your class and tell your stories and that kind of thing. Um, but also just being able to learn again in the environment where that's like the main priority. Cause of course here learning isn't my priority. It's more just learning from cultural experience and from right. people around me. Um, but I think both are really important, but I am very excited to go back to school in August. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I think the, the year out thing is kind of under discussed and maybe should be I like agree. More. I mean, we didn't do that, but I think I when I talk to people who did, it does seem like it was really even if they don't do a ton, a ton of crazy traveling, it's still like a a good way to like put pump the brakes and like reset before you go to college. Yeah, our, our older brother did it, and it seemed like he got a really good experience out of it. Yeah, yeah I All agree right. with that. Yeah, so let's go back to your high school years and. We don't have to talk about like what was your favorite thing about Christ school or your least favorite thing. But as you think about Christ school or when the, when that comes up, whether people ask you about like what was high school like or specifically what was it like at an all boys school? What do you talk to people about? What do you focus on? I think the most important thing is the connections that you make. Um, for me personally, like the guys that I was close to, like I feel like I'll be close to for life. It's not a superficial kind of high school relationship that people think of, but it's just like you are in a grind with a bunch of dudes for years at a time. And you really feel it like you, you truly to the soul. I feel like there are some guys I will talk to for the rest of my life, you know? And I mean, it's, it's a different experience than a lot of people get, um, especially at all boys school sports oriented, like all that kind of stuff going on. I feel like it's just the connection you make with other guys is so important and different compared to other schools that, I mean, I felt like it was so worth it to do and just incredible for my experience and my development as a young man. Yeah. As I observe the the guys at school, I think about, I mean, I've got maybe like three 
or four people from my high school that I stay in touch with and like one that I'm good, good friends with. Um, and I think, you know, I was at a public school co-ed all that. So we are still friends because we've just happened to become really good friends. It wasn't because we went through a huge trial together. Like high school wasn't seen as like a huge trial and we weren't like in the same dorm or anything like that. So I, I do think, yeah, it's almost like college in that way where it's a much tighter, tighter knit group. So it's cool that that's what you're taking away from it. Yeah, exactly. When you talk, yeah, I guess maybe this is implied, but when you've run into people either from Asheville or beyond talking about their high school experience, what do you notice are are big differences when they, when they talk about their experience versus how you're just described yours? Well, mostly when people think of high school, they're like, Oh, it's all boys, you know, it's all boys school. It's all the sports. Like that's all y'all do. And I see that as like reflected in some people's character as a way they interact with people in public or outside of that. Um, I think one of the bigger things is just the respect that you gain at Christ school and like your maturity as a young man is far greater than people who aren't in a situation like we are because all the teachers care, all the coaches care, like it's all about developing you into the person you're going to become. So I think that's the biggest thing I've seen between schools and at least in Asheville and like outside of it. So for me, that'd be my answer. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's a little more care put into each student versus like, maybe if you're at a bigger school, you know, you're kind of like, you have things that are expected of you, but you're kind of just a number and you're just being put through the system. Yeah. I agree with that hundred percent. Yeah. Joe, do you feel like that's the dynamic of, of your students where you're at now versus kind of the bigger public school you were at before? No, I, I, I think the kids definitely feel that the teachers appreciate them very much. And and I think the teachers really appreciate the students as well. Yeah, it's, man, I, I can't really, it's really hard to articulate just how much I've enjoyed being at this new school. Um, and And I think that the students definitely feel that and they give the energy back into the teachers because they know how much the students care. So the teachers feel like they need to put in that extra effort as well. It's, it's not just the expectations from the school, but you get that expectations from the students as well. It just makes you want to be a better teacher for sure. Um, do you want to talk about being black at Christ school? Yeah, I can get into it. Okay. Um, Go ahead. For, for me personally, I think my first couple years were a challenge. Um, there was like a disconnect from certain groups. You know, you don't fit into one or you don't fit into the other. But I think by my junior and senior year, that was like a click for me. I was like, all right, I know where I stand. I know what I do and I'm going to stand on it. Like I'm going to be prideful in what I have and who I am in a way. Um, you know, a lot of, a lot of what the black guys are expected to at the school is just all about athletics and sports. Um, and it's, I mean, it's a sad reality, but that's just how it is. And so you kind of get this, I don't know, stereotype that you have to be an athlete or you have to be this, you have to be that. But I found, I found my way and being able to do that was really important for me. And receiving the scholarship I did was really all because of that. Because without it, I mean, I probably would have been stuck in the, oh, I had to be a basketball player. I have to do this. I have to do that. But instead, you know, you develop your school skills, you develop this and that, and it got me where I am. Yeah, I think, no offense, but like you were an, 
a better student than athlete. I mean, you were a good athlete, but you were yeah, outstanding. <laughs> so uh, I think yeah. you, you set yourself up well there. I, I will say, I mean, I think, I think for the faculty, you know, this black students come in and it becomes clear that they are focused on a sport. And so I think the dynamic becomes hard because it's like, we want them to be well-rounded and, and to do well in, in school. And I think there's a, a tension about like, do they have motivation? Do we have to give them motivation? If we press them too hard, is that like, you know, do they feel like that's an unfair thing that they're being held to a higher standard or something? But I, I will say it's, I think it's gotten better. I think coach Coley um, who's, who's the basketball coach and the athletic director has, has brought in some other, um, I mean, he brought in a lot of new basketball players this year and they've been really good students as well. And they've just seem a little bit, I mean, they're very focused on basketball, but they've also been, um, really solid in the classroom as well. So I don't know where I'm going with that, but I, I appreciate you saying that in the sense of like, as teachers, we shouldn't lean into a stereotype or even lean into what it seems like someone's really into if that's not academics, like there's still ways to motivate or we should try to motivate them, anybody to do as well as they can in school as they, as they do on the playing field. Yeah, I agree with that. And it's, it's not like a, there are stereotypes, a lot of them, but I think that as a teacher for you or for any other teacher, it's important to play into whatever the kid is interested in and like really talk to them about it because it's not like you can make up whatever you think the kid's interested in. Like, Oh, they're good at math. They like math. They might not like it. You know, <laughs> right. but they're good at it. They have a little hint for it, but I think it's important to really understand what somebody likes and to play into that instead of whatever you think they like or whatever is said that they would like. That's true. I remember my first year, one of the students, um, Kiki, great, like great athlete, um, football player, especially. And I found out like later than I should have, like he was really into anime. Like we talked about watching yeah. um, Avatar together and stuff like that. And that's just something that I wouldn't have imagined on his radar. But right, Jamil, Jamil, you're making, hold on, hold on. Let's, let's make the too many today. things at once here, but Avatar is not anime. Let's, let's not have any of the, <laughs> Oh, is that, is that a controversial <laughs> take? A little bit. Anime means it has to be from Japan, right? Oh, yeah. I, I, from yes, from from what I've heard. So <laughs> Avatar, while it's in that vein, is is not. But yes, go on. No, he was into anime, and he liked Avatar. There we which go. I think is anime adjacent. But yeah, that I'm I'm telling on myself here, I guess. But anyway, yeah. I mean, there's there's all kinds of things to find out about about your students. So I appreciate um, what you were saying there. You're uh, oh, Jamil and Ty. Can can you talk about what what does the cafeteria dynamic look like racially? Is it is it really segregated, or does it feel like there's a there's a real cohesion there? And I can start on that. Um, my freshman year, the every single like there's two lunches that were split up. Every single lunch, there was a black table. Like, there is the table with all the black kids at it. You know, and it's like, that's because, first off, there's probably 25, maybe 35 black yeah. kids in the school at the point. Um, and so you're all sitting together. There's no, like, mixing between that dynamic. Um, but by the time I graduated, you know, it was like, you had a mix. There was black kids who sit with the white kids. There's white kids who sit with the black kids. 
and it was, you know, you get different conversations and that kind of thing. So, I mean, I think there's still like a solidarity to having all the black kids at the table and it's yeah. really important to have that time together. Um, but I think, but by the end of my career at the school, it was more a mix of there were white kids who would be at the black table, you know, and that kind of thing. And they understood like, it might not be their place exactly, but they're accepted in our community to the point where they can be at that lunch table with us. Yeah, I, that's well put. I think the school is still learning how to do that well, as far as like to honor spaces that need to be more exclusive to black students or to like yeah. our like East Asian students versus trying to make everyone feel comfortable and together and like one, one solid community. I, I think right. almost it's, it's like a lunch versus dinner thing. Lunch tends to, to go in that kind of more segregated direction. And then dinner, like everyone's coming from practices. And so like the football team, for example, that's a pretty good mix of black and white. And so a lot of times the, the football players are going to sit together. And so you get like the big outdoor table with like just a bunch of football players there. Um, and it's very mixed, but I think you're right, Ty, that it's, it's, it's changed a little bit. And some of that is just like, you have to be comfortable with yourself to put yourself in either of those situations to, I think when, when there are some students that seem to be more comfortable, like going to sit at the black table, even if they're not black um, and they just, they're very open. They're very, I don't know, you like they have a personality that's engaging and like not, not put offish at all. Um, but it's not for everybody. And so other people say like, okay, well that's, you know, that's the, the black kids table. And that's, that's just how it's going to be. Not that they don't have like other places where they're interacting, of course, like you've got the classroom and stuff like that. So, yeah, I think yeah, and that's like, a, it's like a yeah, part yeah. of it is respect. And a part of it is just like kind of being naive in a way. I think there's a lot of people who, think that oh black people act like this they act like that so i'm not gonna go talk to them yeah because i don't yeah. fit into that but i mean my friends personally they would easily like there's not a it's not a disconnect between black and white it's just they talk to whoever they want to you know they like people yeah if they like somebody and they're black they're black if they like somebody and they're white they're white there's no disconnect between that so i think that's something people have to learn as well um and that's part of growing up but the disconnect for me personally was between people who were naive or in a way disrespectful to that yeah. kind of solidarity that we had. So, yeah, I just had to add that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for saying that. Um, you've, you've talked to two, two teachers and, and we want to be better as teachers. If, is there something in general you could say to what are teachers missing when it comes to, Teaching their students, what are, they, what are they missing when it comes to connecting with their students? i say it's, it, I mean, as hard as this is, it is just an age thing. Um, like there is just a disconnect between being 40 or 35 or 30 and talking to 18 year olds. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, like when you're in school, there's jokes that you make that if a teacher makes, you'll be like, all right, he's tripping. You know, you're like, what is he doing? And that right. kind of thing for me, personally, I think that's like one of the biggest things is just the age disconnect. And even if a teacher, a teacher could be all about it. Like they could be 
30 and know every single thing that all the the kids are talking about. Yeah. But it's still just a disconnect because of that age. Yeah. And just knowing that that's okay. Like you'll be clown probably, but that's fine. <laughs> like you're still going to be a teacher in the end right. of the day. And it's still a funny moment that the kids will remember. But I think that's one of the biggest disconnects between teachers and students is just like the age gap. It's hard to build yeah. and it's hard to like connect in that way. Yeah. yeah. One of our, one of our first year teachers, he actually just turned 25 this last weekend and uh, a bunch of teachers went out to celebrate him. And he was talking about how a lot of, some of the times he feels more connected to the students than to the teachers um, because yeah. like he's, pretty fresh uh out of college and he still uses a lot of uh a lot of the lingo that the kids are using and he's like and, and he talked about a pro- problem that a lot of first year teachers have is like i need to be an adult but i don't feel like an adult mm. yeah. um, and he kind of feels like he has to be in control but he's he's been working on it and he's actually getting a lot better throughout the yeah. year if we still have time ty Give us a funny or wild story from your travels this year. Um, <laughs> I think one of my funnier stories um, could trace back to Europe. There was there was a time when one of my friends was sick, um, and we had to take care of him. And we're in, we're in Cannes, in France, and so there's like this big bank, like economic kind of nerdy guy party, and so we'd heard about it, and he was like down in the trenches and we were like all right like let's try and get out and he just couldn't so we're sitting there cooking chicken noodle soup and getting this kid nyquil and all this kind of stuff and i just thought it was just one of those moments you're sitting there like man what are we doing with our lives like we're sitting there just cooking up for our sick friend not just i mean it was sweet in a way but it's also just really funny to me um and that's i mean you know trying to be less vulgar of a story um but I think that it was just, there's some times when we're traveling where you just have these funny moments. Um, you know, we're just like taking care of somebody at whatever age you are. And you just think it's it's just a really ironic moment because you're not a mom, you're not a dad at that point. But taking care of somebody, I thought was just, it was hilarious to me. And he's sitting there just moaning and groaning all the time and all this and that. So I just, I really enjoyed that kind of thing. Did you like tuck him into bed and that kind of stuff? Yeah, exactly. Tuck him into bed. We're sipping, giving him tea to sip on, like cooking up lemon ginger tea with honey in it and all this kind of stuff. It was it was pretty funny, yeah. Any lullabies? <laughs> yeah. We're singing the Marietta Little Lamb. Oh, nice. That's sweet. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ty, thanks so much for being on the show. Um I, I don't want to keep you anymore in case your battery dies and you need a GPS or something to find your way around. But uh, something tells me you also will be fine, even if your phone does die. Yeah, I'll probably be all right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, though. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate yeah. it. And I'd love to give some more insight when I have, obviously, more time. But yeah, yeah the phone is about to die. You're good. I'll find you later and, and talk to you more. Um, yeah. Uh, also... Your social media, I'm sure, is bigger than ours. So if you can promote the show, we'll give you the links and stuff. And uh, we'd appreciate any any uh, promoting you could do. For sure. I'll plug it. I got you. All right. Thanks. Thanks so much, All man. Right. Take care. Thank y'all. Y'all have a good one. Yeah. You too. Bye-bye. What a stud. Yeah. Yeah. First time meeting him seems 
Very impressive. Yeah. Um, trivia time? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's to you this time. That's yeah. Right. ChatGPT has gotten tougher with their trivia, so we've got to ramp up our game here. Mm-hmm. All right. Medium-level trivia question. Oh, th- okay. I think you got a chance at this one. Uh, and I think I know this one. In what year did the first Star Wars movie, A New Hope, come out in theaters? Wow. Do I get like, do I get a window here? What was the one I gave you a window on? Oh, the Chernobyl. Chernobyl. I'll give you plus or minus a year. Um, 1979. All right. So I'm going to look up the answer, but I believe it came out the same year as The Godfather which I believe is 1972. I'm not correct. It came out in theaters 1977. No, come on. (laughs) I feel like I was more correct than you. You were more correct than me, but we're not doing nearest to it. Oh my gosh. Because I think one of the Star Wars ran into Rocky, but I forget when Rocky came out too. Or what? Yeah. yeah, that could be right. That could be right. Yeah. All right. Well, it's going to be another double LaCroix week. One picture of you and one picture of me. Yep. Yeah. So I guess I guess there's some solidarity there. There is. You got uh, anything cool going on the rest of this weekend? Um, Watching basketball. NBA playoffs, baby. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? Well, it's warm again here, so uh, I'm doing some uh, hit nine on the links. Whoa. And then uh, I'm celebrating the big 3-0 by going to a Spanish restaurant tonight. Can't wait. Oh, getting that Spanish food. Nice. Getting that. Um, Come on. We we messed up. We had such such a good guest with Ty, but we didn't get him to do the sign-off. So I guess it's just you're stuck with us, listeners. Yeah. All right, everyone, learn them good. Learn them good until next week. See ya. Taking care of somebody I thought was just, it was hilarious to me. And he's sitting there just moaning and groaning all the time and all this and that. So I just, I really enjoyed that kind of thing. Did you like tuck him into bed and that kind of stuff? Yeah, exactly. Tuck him into bed. We're sipping, giving him tea to sip on, like cooking up lemon ginger tea with honey in it and all this kind of stuff. It was it was pretty funny. Yeah. Any lullabies? <laughs> yeah. We're singing to Marietta Little Lamb. Oh, nice. That's sweet. <laughs> <laughs>